Hi, my name is Chris Little, and I am the host of The Lifestyle Chase. In 2018, I started this show to have meaningful conversations. I've interviewed over a hundred different people, both in and out of the fitness industry. This podcast is something I'm incredibly proud of. Welcome to season four. Thanks for joining me. All right, so welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 213. We're continuing on with our multi-segment format where we will be giving you shorter episodes that you can continue on to listen to or you can move on to something else. Today, I am joined by one of my closest friends in the fitness industry, Alex McBrarity. He is back for what I believe is his third official appearance. He has made some appearances back in the days of Real Talk by the Lifestyle Chase, which has since been discontinued. So if you are looking for those, they are in the vault. They do still exist. They are just uh, on a backup hard drive. But having said all of that, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. So I have to ask because I look out my window and it's snowing like crazy. Is it snowing down there? It is not. It's a little chilly, but it's nice and sunny. There's some frost on the the edges of the grass but other than that it's not bad yet well fair enough soak it up i'll send you pictures of the snow after the show but uh so in in a matter of like a few sentences what are like what's been the biggest change since our last uh episode together for you like what are some things that really stand out to you when you summarize it well i guess probably the biggest thing is i moved i moved to a, a new home more space and it's been fantastic <laughs> the most stressful week of my life the actual move itself but well i mean i can imagine but uh we're gonna dive into some topics today that'll probably help people a lot with changes in their life and just with uh changing their uh mindset per se um i basically dropped the the best uh clue possible for what we are going to talk about in this segment um oftentimes when i look at your articles when i look at your material when i see how you coach your clients you have a big focus on mindset and how it has an influence on people's life and so i just wanted to unpack that with you today and expand on it so i'm just going to turn the table over to you well you know i'm glad that you're right. I talk a lot about mindset in all of the articles that I write and a lot of the conversations that I have. And it's a big part of my background, which any returning listeners may remember my psychology background. For those of you who are new, welcome. I have a psychology background. Thanks for being here. Uh, nice t-shirt, by the way. Thank you. Um, and so mindset is in my own coaching practice is something we focus really, really heavily on because it's such an important precursor to a lot of the changes that people actually want to make. And, and it's oftentimes one that's kind of neglected or we, we want to jump right to the front of the line instead of kind of waiting our turn and doing the necessary foundational work to actually know, uh, no pun intended, but wrap our head around what it is we actually need to do to get there. Right. Um, 
and obviously we're probably going to talk a lot about more specifics with regards to mindsets and what they are and, and which category we might fall into. But I think it's important to, again, in doing that foundational work, kind of set the stage for why it is mindset is so important and why it's such an integral part of that. And so interestingly, you know, anyone who's starting a fitness program, they want to change their behaviors. They want to eat differently. They want to move differently. They want to look differently. They want to make these changes that require certain levels of action. And with mindset, there's, or rather with in successfully participating in those behaviors and achieving those goals, there's a sequence that needs to occur. And that sequence ends with behavior, but it starts with mindset, right? And so it's a three-step sequence. It's mindset, it's attitudes or motivation, and then it's behavior, lastly. Again, a lot of us like to jump right to the behaviors. We try to change the behaviors without addressing any of the other stuff, and it tends to fall flat. The mindset, of course, is, as a quick recap, in general, it's the lens through which we perceive the stimulus that we experience in the world, right? If we touch something that's hot, we tell ourselves a story about what's happening. We touched a hot stove, we were silly for doing it, we won't do it again next time. Or navigating our social environments, the moods that people are experiencing or what the meaning of a statement someone made to us actually was outside of just the, the verbatim words that they used. And so we use these perceptions to kind of navigate our world, to write stories about ourselves and our place in the world, but also the things that are happening to us and happening around us. And so what the research finds is there is some stark contrast in different mindsets too, in particular, that really lend a heavy hand to how we perceive everything that's happening. Now, once we start telling ourselves those stories, that then leads us to that second sequence in the behavior, which is the attitudes and the motivations. This is really just our intentions to do stuff, right? We're not gonna start a fitness program unless we're motivated to make changes or want the results of those changes. We're not going to you know, go for a bike ride unless we wanna go for a bike ride, right? No one's gonna strong arm us into going for a bike ride. And some level and some capacity, we need some amount of motivation towards the thing that we want to do. And then only when the mindset and the motivation align and kind of agree with each other, do we then stand the best chance of actually doing the behavior. But if any point in that sequence, something falls apart, either we're not, we don't have the right motivations or the right attitudes towards our intentions to do the behavior that we know we need to do or that we want to do, or if our mindset doesn't lend to our capabilities to do the behavior that we feel like we need to do or that we want to do, it's just not going to happen. The behavior is not going to happen. You're going to find a rationalization or an excuse or something is going to stop you and prevent you from going to that behavior. So very quickly, jumping into what those two mindsets are, what the research finds is there's two distinct mindsets, what's called a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And which one we subscribe to is very, very important. So first in our beliefs, the fixed mindset, the lens that we're putting on basically is one of we have inherent skills and talents that we're just kind of born with. We're naturally gifted at certain activities, whether it's we have an acute eye coordination, hand-eye coordination for certain tasks, or we have a certain ability to make computations in our head, either strategically in, in like a competitive game or, uh, for example, chess, or in spatial awareness, like building puzzles and being really good at building puzzles or you know, whatever the case may be. And so... What that then lends to is if these traits are fixed, individuals who 
have that mindset, who subscribe to that mindset, are going to tend to stick to the things that they're naturally good at. Now, for someone who's a growth mindset, on the other hand, the inherent belief that they have or the lens that they're putting on is not one of inherent or natural born talent. It's rather one of the understanding that we can practice and we can learn and we can get better at things. So while there may be things we're just kind of for genetic reasons or nurture reasons of our upbringing or our previous experiences, we might be uh, better at some things than others when we first try them but that doesn't preclude us from being able to cultivate those skills in other areas and get better at everything, right? So on the one, what we're good at is kind of set in stone. We just got to roll with it. On the other, we can kind of figure it out as we go. We can build those skill sets. We can get better and improve and kind of turn things into our strengths if we so desire, right? There's so much to get from that for sure. Uh, I'm going to ask you quickly just to kind of like dig from your own personal experiences. When was the last most recent time that you had to, uh, substantially change your mindset? Well, I'm glad you bring this up because there's a really, uh, recent experience of this. And I want to provide some context to this by saying too, that when we think of mindset, it's also not necessarily a blanketed thing. Like if we subscribe to one mindset, it doesn't necessarily mean we believe that or we use that lens for every situation in our lives. It's entirely possible that we kind of cherry pick. We have an inclination towards mindset in one area of our life and another inclination in the other for different areas of our lives. So it can kind of change across the board. And so interestingly, you know, this past weekend, uh, I don't know if I shared this story with you yet, Chris, this past weekend, uh, Katrina was out of town. I was home alone. And, uh, for listeners who don't know, my girlfriend and I have been taking dance lessons for the better part of three years now, since 2018, uh, actually a little more than three years now. But, um, so we've been taking dance lessons together. We do a dance called bachata, which is a, a style of Latin dance. That's what's considered a social dance. And so all that means is that there's no preset choreography. You really learn the kind of fundamentals and you learn some movements and then they can all kind of roll and piece together in certain ways. And when you're dancing, you essentially just make it up as you go. You make up the choreography as you're dancing. And what that allows you to do is essentially be able to dance with anybody, right? And so that's why it's considered a social dance. You go to a club, you go to a, a dance event and you just kind of hang out and you dance with whomever, right? Now, in all that time that we've taken lessons together, we've never actually gone to any dance events. We've only danced in our lessons and really no other time outside of that. So we've not actually gotten a social dancing experience. And so aside from dancing with my instructor, Katrina makes up 100% of my dancing experience with another human being. But on this weekend, um, and obviously due to COVID too, there's not a lot of dancing opportunities socially right now because of, of everything related to COVID. But our instructor was hosting a holiday dance party, something she used to do very frequently pre-COVID, now it's been a lot more sporadic and this was really her first event since. And I'd kind of made the decision a while ago that I really wanted to go and try it. And then by the time I asked Katrina, she had already made plans to be out of town on a little girl's getaway with some of her friends. So she wasn't going to actually be here. So now I was stuck between not going, which would have been the easy way, just kind of hang out at home and, and convince myself I wasn't going to go because she wasn't here, or go by myself and feel it out see what happens. And this is a moment where I kind of had to check my mindset. Now I consider myself in, in 
previous conversations, listeners might be able to tune in how much I talk about this stuff might lend support for this. Our conversations, I know you know this personally, I consider myself a very growth minded individual. That's the mindset I hold. I'm, I'm all about learning new things and practicing. And that's why I started dancing in the first place because I had no rhythm. I probably still don't have any rhythm, but it's getting a little bit better. And, uh, but, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a confident guy, right? I've, I've had a lot of experiences of seeing myself achieve things and get better at things that, that, that has all accumulated to where I am now. But the thought of going to this dance party by myself with, I don't know, there may have been 80 other 80 to hundred other people there at any given time who I didn't know. I didn't know a single person there except for the instructors. And interestingly, uh, one of my clients was also there actually too. Um, and to just dance with all of these strangers was something that I, I definitely had to check myself on because I, cause it was, it was scary. It was very fearful for me. Um, because of a lot of, you know, driving myself more towards that fixed mindset of, am I not good enough for this? Or are people going to judge me for not dancing well? And I mean, I've not just been doing this a couple of weeks. I've been doing this for a couple of years. So one would assume that that's a kind of a far out there belief, which is actually a very interesting, lends a very interesting point to what happens when we are acting based on these two mindsets, fixed and growth. So what I was experiencing when I had all that fear about going there and being afraid of what other people would think of my dancing really lends a good uh, peak or spotlight into what happens when we fail given these two sets of mindsets. So when we have a growth mindset and our focus, again, our belief is that we can get better at things. We can grow, we can get better. When we fail at something, people with a growth mindset tend to take it as a learning opportunity, right? And so what we call this is an external causality. The, the reason for the failure is nothing inherent about me. It's something to do with either my preparation for this. Maybe I didn't practice my dancing enough. It's about um, maybe I, I just... I shouldn't have these greater expectations because I haven't been dancing as long and I've never been, I've never socially danced before. So maybe I should give myself a little bit more credit in that realm, but, or, you know, it's finding ways in which we can learn from those mistakes and those failures to then improve our practice and our acquisition of that skill later on so that we can come back and do it even better. Right. So an athlete, you know, say a tennis star who doesn't perform as well in, in at Wimbledon or whatever the big tennis competition is that they're competing in, and they then take all of that information, the footage, the, the way they prepared for it, all that, and they refine it and they make it better. So when they come back the next year and compete, they're going to do better than they did before. I love so that. That's how someone with a growth mindset will. Someone with a fixed mindset, which is where I was at for this event, is one where because those skills are inherent in us and they're fixed and we can't really do much to change it, what that means is when we fail, that then becomes a judgment about our abilities. So it's not, we, so we have an internal causality. Instead of, I didn't prepare well enough for this event, it's, I'm just not that good of a dancer. I'm just not great at this activity. I shouldn't have high expectations because I'm never going to be great at this activity. So it's something inherent about us that because it's fixed is unchanging and we can't do anything about it. So now we're more afraid to fail, particularly in front of other people because them watching us fail means they now have 
accurate judgment of our inabilities as a person. And that's some scary stuff, right? This is why people with a fixed mindset tend to be more apprehensive to try new activities that they've never done before, especially if it's around people they don't know because there's that fear of judgment of performing poorly. Whereas someone with a growth mindset who's really set in that is gonna be more fearless in these events because they're not worried about what other people are. They're just worried about mastering the activity and getting better at it. And so because they know they can improve, their poor performance now isn't a direct reflection of them as a person. In fact, what's more important is what they do with that that's a better reflection of them, not their performance. Right. So someone with a growth mindset is going to have a mastery, what we call a goal orientation. They're just trying to get better at the activity than they were. They're only competing with themselves in previous attempts. Someone with a fixed mindset has a performance goal orientation. They just want to perform well. They want to win. They want to do better than everybody else. So with all of that being said, as we draw this segment to a close, if you were to come across someone who felt that they were in a fixed mindset, what um, tangible piece of advice would you have for them? So uh, for someone who's struggling with a fixed mindset, the first thing I would do is I would challenge that belief of whether or not they are, what was the cause of their failure? Is it truly because they're not good enough at an activity? And most people who have a fixed mindset, and again, it can be for different things. Like I might have a growth mindset towards my fitness. And in this case, had a fixed mindset towards my abilities to dance socially, right? So it can change. But so with that being said, someone who's feeling like they're suffering from a fixed mindset or being held back by that, I would then reflect one on what are previous instances in your life when you've actually gotten better at something where you've grown and you've learned and you've done better. Most people have an easy answer for this and it's graduating high school, right? Most people learn a lot from the time they start in kindergarten to the time that they're graduating high school when they're 17, 18 years old. So any experiences we can draw of times we've already seen ourselves cultivate skills and get better at something, get better at a task, then lends further support to the reality of a growth mindset and less reality to the sense that we are unable to change ourselves in any sort of way. And then the other thing, of course, is we got to do the dang thing. Right. So fortunately I went to that dance party by myself. I had a fantastic time. I danced for three hours straight. I danced with who knows how many people. It was a wonderful time. Everyone was kind. No one was judgmental. There were tons of people at different levels. There were people much better than me. There were people less good, less better than me or not as bad, not as good. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. And in hindsight, I realized how silly I was for having those beliefs. Um, but the fact that I was able to check myself and kind of on my drive there, I was doing the very thing that I'm talking about, kind of reminding myself that this is a, an, a moment of growth for me, right? This is how you get better at social dancing. You can't get better at socially dancing unless you do it because everyone's movements are a little different. Everyone's styles a little bit different. Everyone's experience is a little bit different. So if you only dance with one person, you're only going to be able to dance with one person. But if you dance with other people, you become a better dancer, right? So reminding myself of that on the way there and then just walking through the door when I got there. Just kind of being brave in that instance and just being like, okay, I'm here. I got to do this. I can totally like feel the nerves that a person would have going into something like that. And like, uh, I can sense the hesitation a person might have in taking on that challenge, but I hope that they do. Um, 
we're going to uh, draw this episode to a close. We're going to reconnect for the next episode, which if you are listening to this as it gets released, the next episode will be out tomorrow. Um, but uh, without further ado, uh, we will say goodbye for this one. <laughs>